eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. It's time. It's time. It's time. time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt. Dallas Scott was insider for 105 through the fan in Dallas. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, now co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105 through the fan in Dallas, 2 to 7, Monday through Friday. Uh, Brian, I know we were just, we were slowed down a little bit. Um, I, I guess it was that new technology you, you want to tell people what, why we're slowed down recording? Today? Yeah, I, I went from the absolute worst phone you could have, <laughs> which was like an iPhone 6, uh-huh. to the absolute best phone you could have. Yeah, It, it, it took a while. It, it, it honestly took a while, guys. T- took some time, and then, and then you didn't know how to turn the light off. <laughs> I couldn't turn the light off on the phone. So luckily, uh, Peyton uh, came in, got it taken care of for us. He's, and, he's full uh, service, yeah, I'm, man. I'm good to go. Peyton I'm Russell. I'm good to go now. I feel like technology <laughs> cannot defeat me Peyton. as long as I have young people around me. Peyton so, Russell. Take that technology. <laughs> Peyton Russell, our world-class producer. Also, uh, he's full service, man. He'll, he'll fix your iPhone. He'll, he'll he will. do whatever you need. He will. Uh, so hey, co- Bobby. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We got NFL teams reporting for camp now. I know it's yeah, exciting. Teams, yeah, about that week from uh, week from, from when this podcast airs, uh, you and I will be in Oxnard, California. I'm excited. And, uh, getting that, I'm I'm super excited. I, you know, I'm one of these guys that you talk about things, you talk about things. I'm ready to see about things that we've talked about. You know, I'm ready to you know the I'm ready to see some padded practices, 
some guys trying to trying to like you know manage their way through is there some guy that's going to have a good run and then all of a sudden has three or four bad practices that's the great thing about training camp to me especially when i used to scout was you had an idea of what might happen but then by the time you got to the final cut you're like man i can't believe i thought that or Man, I was completely wrong about that guy. So, yeah, it's this is a super, super exciting time for me right now. And I, and I know it is for you uh, in, uh, as, uh, as the insider here at 105.3. Yeah, and there's a ton of questions that I, I don't feel great about. Like, you know, you said we, 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 I'm with we you get the final cut yeah. down and you feel like you got a good handle on things. I don't feel like I've got a good handle on a lot of stuff this year. Um, but you know, well, I guess we'll, we'll see how these, this receiver group looks. Uh, we should just mention right off the top, uh, not spend a whole lot of time on it, but you know, we, we've been asked a lot, like, are they going to go get Julio Jones? Are they going to get yeah. Will Fuller? What are they going to do for this? Receiver how about us making national broadcasts? Yeah, today oh, yeah podcast. That, that was fun. And by little... the way, thanks to everybody out there that listens to this little podcast. Uh, yes. We grow it to be a big podcast, but yeah, you know, I, and I went back and I watched skip. And, yeah, which and for those Shane, who don't know, let, let me just give them a heads up. The, yeah, the discussion we had about up. Debo Samuel about two weeks ago about, hey, would you trade for Debo or DK? It was more just but kind of a hypothetical discussion we were having. Yeah, yeah it's just big picture thinking. I mean, it was just one of the DK Samuel was in that. And we we kind of walked you through Will Fuller. I mean, we walked you through a lot of things. And then, of course, yeah, it's Debo and DK that get blown up yeah. by by the national media and Skip and Shannon and, and them. But, you know, that that's good. You know, we're doing something right. They're, they're picking up there our discussions, go. Brian. So... Uh, Always about content here, man. Always yes. about the content. Yes. Now, while they didn't pick up a receiver, they did make a move at linebacker. Um, that's an area where they've got a lot of unproven guys, um, and they went and signed another unproven guy. Uh, not a big move. They went and signed Malik Jefferson. That's probably just of some interest to, to people listening to this podcast because we have a lot of listeners who are Longhorns fans and a lot of people in the DFW area. And Look him. He's, he's a yes, indeed. He's a Mesquite Poteet uh, alum, high school, so – Texas boy through and through. This is his sixth team, though, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. after being a third-round pick in 2018. So I would not expect a lot from Malik Jefferson, but at least a camp body to come in here and participate uh, with the group. So that was the only the, – instead of going and making a move for a, a quarter – or for a receiver to strengthen that group, two moves now in the last two weeks for the Cowboys to bring in some competition linebacker with Christian Sam being signed and Malik Jefferson, that in the wake of uh, the Devontae Bond torn ACL – uh, but we did get some further contract news this week, uh, and I don't think it was terribly surprising to, to you or I or, or to a lot of people who listen to this podcast or listen to 105 Through the Fan and, and hear us talking about this. Dalton Schultz will end out playing on that franchise tag. Uh, it'll be 10.8, 10.9, one of those, I can't remember. It's right up near $11 million, uh, and that'll be the figure that he plays on for 2022. And... We'll cross this bridge again, I guess, next year. But, Brian, any surprise to you that Dalton Schultz is ultimately playing on the franchise tag? No, not really. And, you know, we started to see a a group of these tight ends sign it last year with the Patriots. And, you know, with, with they, uh, you know, they went out and got a couple of, of the tight ends as John, well off John the market. Smith, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. Exactly. And then, and then all of a sudden, and Joku, he gets a contract extension. And I felt like, Bob, that you were on this from the jump, that the numbers coming from Dalton Schultz camp was going to be on the low end of maybe what a Joku got. Am I correct about that? Or, or was uh, no, it more the line yeah, of what yeah. the New England guys were getting? Yeah, I, th- I think early on, 
they were looking for an Njoku-like deal. Once Njoku signed for that, it was, well, today's price is not yesterday's price. We've got to be above Njoku. That's the new market. Right. Yeah, so with that being said, the Cowboys, and and they could circle back some really smart uh, guys and gals that have been talking about this contract. Sure, they can do the same song and dance again next year, but it's not like that the tight end – uh, franchise tag number is huge. No. So if you want to turn around and what is it at 125, go up 125% of the last number. Yeah, it's 120. Kind of where, yeah. So he, yeah, he, so you can do, do that again. And if they, you know, if uh, Dalton Schultz and, you know, you and I have talked about this kind of feel like Dalton Schultz probably be the second or third most productive uh, pass catcher on your, your team. You yeah. Know, hopefully it's, cd lamb and hopefully it's touchdowns and you know near what uh you know maybe uh near 100 receptions something like that but would not be one bit surprised if dalton schultz is somewhere between 75 and 90 uh receptions this year for the cowboys yeah i don't, I don't think that's terribly surprising either um and, and i think that you know you bring up a good point that if they were to even franchise tag him again next year and that's 120 percent of the value you're talking about 13 million annually and that's, okay, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe that's a, a significant number, but I th- like my understanding, my belief is that the deal they wanted was four years and fourteen and a half million, and so that's four years fifty eight. So even if you franchise tag him again next year, you're talking about you know a, a million and a half less annually than what he was asking for this year. That number's only going to go up next year. So if he's asking for fifteen, sixteen next year, I, I think for them, if they want to entertain that. It's fine. I do think, and and we've repeated this line a lot, I think a big part of the decision this year to franchise tag him was the loss of Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup being hurt, Amari Cooper being traded, CeeDee Lamb moving into a new role, and it was like, we've got to have some area of stability and familiarity for our quarterback here, so let's just pay this price, which is below market value, honestly, to have him franchise tagged, and we'll roll with that just in, in the name of giving our quarterback a, a comfortable area that's not just a radical change across the board. Because the last time we saw a complete radical changing of his targets and everything else was 2018, and that went so poorly that they ended up having to go and make a, a trade for Amari Cooper, give up a first-round pick. But that was really the last time we saw a complete reset of everything. Witten retired. You had all the receivers changing out. They let go of Dez. They drafted Gallup. So it was all new to him. And you saw how tough that was for him to, to kind of get a feel. And, and that'd be tough for anybody, I think. I think any quarterback would not like a complete reset of everybody that they target. And so... No, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I, I don't see... Uh, they're going to have to figure out some ways, at least initially, until we get what the situation with Michael Gallup, until that turns into, okay, we know exactly how many games he's going to miss. And we've talked about it a bunch on not only 105.3 The Fan, but we've also talked about it on our podcast here that the timetable appears to be the same. The hope is to keep him off that PUP list where that's four games. Mm-hmm. You know, It used to be six games, and now it's four games. So that is the hope right now. But you're right. You just can't totally shock the system of this offense by just getting rid of all the primary pass catchers. And if you'd have got rid of Dalton Schultz or moved on from him, uh, I think that would have kind of been a shock to the system. Before we uh, shift over to it, still kind of a conversation about Dalton Schultz, we're going to finish up that uh, Jeremy Fowler ESPN top 10 list that includes tight ends. 
Uh, really quickly, just in terms of production you're expecting from Dalton Schultz, I saw BetMGM this week came out with over-unders for a few players, and one of them was Dalton Schultz, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Dalton Schultz receptions in 2022, 75 and a half. Mm-hmm. Where, where would you go? Would you go over or under? Yeah, I said what I say, 75, 75 to 90. 90. I was yeah. somewhere right in there, I, I, and I hate when I do stuff like that, but I when I said it, I'm like, ah, don't be stupid. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I do feel like, so you'd go a little over on that then? No, no, I would go over. I, okay. I, maybe it maybe it's more in the seventy-five to eighty-five range. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not ninety. I I'm just thinking that with Dalton Schultz, they have figured out creative ways to get him the ball, and that is those waggles and boots and misdirections and you know where we see defense roll one way, offense go the other. Dalton Schultz finding a spot in the zone. I think Dalton Schultz has got a really good feel for how to sit down uh, when it's uh, when it's zone coverage. And I think he's got a very good feel to how to keep moving, keep himself active in order to uh, to catch the ball in the move when he has to. So with that being said, uh, 75 to 85, you know, receptions i don't think that's out of the question i'd probably go over on that number i I think i'd go a little under just because even though i don't think it's going to be an absurd amount i do think they are going to try and get tony pollard more touches and so i think some of those touches are going to come away from schultz who got 78 receptions last year so i think he's it wouldn't stun me if he goes over but i i I think i'm going to say around 70 to 75 is where i think he ends up uh the receiving yards over under 70 uh 745 and a half i i think we you would Obviously, go over. I'd go under in that situation because I think we've all figured out he's a reliable ten yards per catch guy. So I, I, the numbers, the numbers are fair. So, so I, I think, I think whatever that's who he is. However, that, that's ma- who he is. however yeah. many receptions you have for him, put a zero on the end of that, and that's about how many yards you think he has. So I think he'll go under. Uh, you think he probably goes over. Here's the one where I'm I was interested. Over, yeah. yeah, here's the one where I was interested. Dalton Schultz, after a year of eight touchdowns, and Amari Cooper's gone. They have him at five and a half on the touchdowns. I think he goes over that. I think he's one I of their reliable red zone yeah. guys. Yeah, I think so too, Bobby. I, I I like what you're saying there. To me, I can see this developing into what you had with very similar to what Jason Witten was able to do with sure. Tony Romo is when you know how to get open, when you know how to sit down, when you know how to separate, when you know how to kind of read where the defense is what it's doing coverage wise. I think that, I think that's where Dalton Schultz is going to have some, some of those days. I, I could see, I could see again, the waggles and the boots and direction going one way, Dalton Schultz on the backside leaking out. And then Dak Prescott making a little simple throw to him. So I would say over on the five touchdowns as well. Yeah, I got to watch out for that backside leaking out, uh, Brian. That's yeah, yeah, there for, you sure, go. for sure. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby you're Belt. Ter- we're human being. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm Bobby Belt. He's Brian Broadus. Uh, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You guys can catch it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're now going to transition over uh, to finishing up this list uh, that Jeremy Fowler had started, the top 10 players at each position in the NFL. And we're going to kick off with the interior offensive linemen. So, Brian, uh, we don't have to get very deep into this list, this list where Jeremy Fowler solicited the opinions of 50 people across the NFL, players, coaches, executives. We don't have to get deep into the interior offensive line list before we find the Cowboy. Number one is Quentin Nelson of the Colts, and then it's number two, Zach Martin uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, where he was ranked last year, number two overall. Uh, One NFC offensive coach said he's a pro's pro, smarter than blank, never have to worry about him in a one-on-one in the run or pass game, doesn't miss assignments, knows his body, trains, understands when to push and when to back off. He's the quintessential guard. You feel fair with that? I, I mean, you may. some people may squabble. I'm sure there's somebody there who'd say Zach Martin's better than Quentin Nelson. But overall, I think Nelson and Martin won two in the league. Any order you want, I think people feel good about that. Yeah, I think you can win one of those things where they used to say, what, throw a blanket over the two and whatever happens, happens. Kind of yeah. thing. But I, 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 I would love either player. You know, both Notre Dame, both super tough. Both, you, when you look at... Uh, the football intelligence with both players, the mobility, the power, the strength, the balance. It's really hard to separate the two guys. Uh, You know, I think that, you know, Martin being a little bit older, Nelson is, you know, either way, you would just feel, you'd feel great about the, uh, either one of those guys being on your team. But I I guarantee the Cowboys are super, super happy that they have Zach Martin. Uh, he's everything I just said about the, when you when you start to talk about it. they're going to need him to play once again at a very very high level, especially now with Terrence Steele uh, playing there at right tackle. Uh, moving on over to the quarterbacks now, where I know there's a lot of discussion all the time about is Dak Prescott a top ten quarterback? Well, this is what the vote broke down to: Aaron Rodgers one, Mahomes two, Josh Allen three, Tom Brady four, Joe Burrow. Shout out LSU Tigers, Brian brought us. Go Tigers! Uh, Joe Burrow number five, Matt Stafford number six, Justin Herbert okay. seven, Russell Wilson eight, Deshaun Watson nine, and then coming in at ten, just ahead of Lamar Jackson is Dak Prescott. And this was the area where it was most contentious, apparently the closest vote that they had. Uh, One NFC executive said a good but not great quarterback. He has to play well in the playoffs, has to prove he can take them to the next level. He's not in the top echelon. One NFC offensive coach said, good poise in the pocket, sturdy, always been deadly when they space the field and empty. Sometimes needs an extra hitch to confirm things, but he's typically a good decision maker in their drop back game. I think it's completely fair. I think Wherever you have, I think the second. I think the second evaluator is more accurate than the first. I do too. Yeah, no, I think that that, and I think that's a fair, even-handed look at Dak. I think it says where he is while recognizing maybe limitations that he has that somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes doesn't have right now. But I would have been floored if somebody had him outside the top ten. The only I personally would have Matt Stafford below him. I know people freak out about that, but I'm interested that I don't see why Watson would be ahead of him on this list right now, given. If you look at their careers, Watson hasn't done a ton more than Dak has statistically or as a lead, and Watson's been off the football field for almost two years. So uh, you, do you feel okay with Dak at 10? You, you think that's a fair ranking to have him just in the top 10? 
yeah, you mentioned Stafford and see what a Super Bowl does. There was always a yeah. time, especially this time of year, when we were getting ready for training camp and you always listed your top 10 quarterbacks. And the names you could put together were always Stafford and Dak. They were always together. And now you win a Super Bowl. There's a little bit of separation. Uh, you see Russell Wilson has dropped from maybe a top four guy into kind of the mix now where Dak is at. Yep. So I I don't have a problem with Dak in the top 10. The, the thing that I – and I think he's a better passer. I think he's a much better passer than Lamar Jackson. Me too, yeah. I really, really do. I don't think he has the elusiveness of Lamar no. Jackson. Or the speed. But, or the speed. But I feel like, though, that if – this could be the year with a healthier Dak that the mobility and the power and all those things that we saw from him pre-injury will return. That's my hope yeah. uh, for the Cowboys. Yeah, um, I'm interested in year seven of seeing the mental side of things. I'm, I'm very, very interested in that. I bring that up a lot, and I'm sorry. But it's something that for all quarterbacks, when you mention the upper echelon of quarterbacks, What's the one common thread they have, especially the Rodgers, the Brady's, the Mahomes? Between the ears. You know, Allen, we'll see. The ability to see the field. Yeah. The ability to see, the, build, the ability to anticipate, the ability to make that throw. And Dak is, at times, we've seen it. Other times, we haven't. And that's what's disturbing to me is I never, ever, ever worry about physical Dak. Mm-hmm. Because I think he's always going to be there. It's the mental side of things. It's is there anything holding him back? If we get to camp and all of a sudden he's making a lot of those anticipation throws and then the tight windows and stuff like that, showing confidence. You know, maybe you know last year too that arm going into camp. I know it was very early with the 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 you know the shoulder, the shoulder issues yeah. and stuff. Yep. You know, we were all like, oh geez, what just happened? You know, kind of a thing. So I feel like, though, I'm looking forward to seeing Dak. It's not going to be the physical stuff because that's fine. The mental stuff is where I'm where I'm keeping a focus on right now. Yeah. And I think that because we have seen it and I think we saw him play with vision and throw with anticipation in 2020 before he got hurt. First half 2021, Mm -hmm. I think you can safely and we'll if there's evidence to the contrary this year, we need to take that into account. But I think you can safely write that off to what I've pointed out or what we've discussed here, which is. Um, you know, I think there was just a little bit of, he was rattled by how much he was getting hurt. And I think he was concerned that he was going to get hurt again and maybe had a little bit of PTSD from that, but I trust that he's bounced back from that. Um, the running backs list now, Brian, we've got no cowboy in the top 10. It's Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Javante Williams from the Broncos at 10, then Austin Eckler at 11 in the honorable mentions. And then at 12, the honorable mentions it's Ezekiel Elliott, where they say Elliott's fall outside the top 10 is still a bit surprising considering he just produced his third career 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown season. But his rushing yards per game have dipped in each of his six NFL seasons from 108.7 in 2016 to 58.9 last year. I have no problem having Ezekiel Elliott at 12. And that's a frustrating thing that uh, you know I think the organization has been grappling with because he is probably a 12-15 to 15 running back, and he's paid as a 1-2. to two. He is, and... That is something that you now you you know you live with until you find a way to move on from him, move on from the contract. But felt like though he gave you everything he had, banged up, 
you know, but what's funny, Bobby, and I talked to a lot of the same sources you do, they were insistent he wasn't hurt. You know, it was just, it, you know, I, I just couldn't get over it was, he's not hurt, he's not hurt, he's not hurt. And lo and behold, he was hurt. You know, and you're you're kind of like, well, man, were you trying to protect him? Were you not trying to protect? What's the, were you just ready to move on from the guy? But if if anybody needs to have a, what they would say, a bounce back season, it's Ezekiel Elliott. If, if he all of a sudden gets it going again, 2016, 2017, Zeke, that kind of running back, this offense has a chance to be pretty good because then it's going to have the balance necessary and it's going to protect Dak Prescott. And I feel like if Zeke has a big year, this offense could have a big year right along with him. If if it's not and he's banged up again and the yards per carry is going down and they really don't figure out how to way to get Tony Pollard the ball more, then we're going to be talking this podcast, we're going to be talking about a new coaching staff next year. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. A lot riding on uh, Zeke this season uh, for sure and and what he is in terms of where he's at with his health and and what he can contribute in a a time where um, he's 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 going to be, you know, uh, up for an evaluation as to whether he's going to continue his career here with the Cowboys. Uh, next list yeah. here is the receivers. Again, we'll run through these really quickly. Devontae Adams, one, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Man, it's the LSU takeover, Brian brought us. Uh, number five, Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins, six, Stephon Diggs, seven, DeAndre Hopkins, eight, Mike Evans, nine, Debo Samuel, ten, DK Metcalf, honorable mentions, 11, Keenan Allen, 12, A.J. Brown, 13, Terry McLaurin, 14, Chris Godwin, 15, Michael Thomas, and then finally at 16, we get C.D. Lamb. And there's a bunch of people, it's referenced here that evaluators think he could definitely jump into the top ten with a good performance this year. Uh, one AFC scout talking about he's so talented and the game comes very easily to him. But ultimately, right now, he's viewed as the 16th receiver and he's viewed as the third receiver in the NFC East behind McLaurin and A.J. Brown. Do you think 16's fair? Or would you have maybe – I'd personally maybe have him up a, a couple spots higher. I think he's I think he's better than Godwin. I think he's better right now than Thomas, to be honest. I know a lot of people have said Thomas has just been away and that's why people hold that against him. But – to me, all the things people say about Dalton Schultz and, and the type of game he plays, I think you can apply to Michael Thomas as a receiver. Um, and so CeeDee Lamb, to me, would be up more in the 14 to 15 range. Uh, how do you feel about that ranking? I, I feel like they get him right, Bob. Yeah. I do. I feel like they get him right until otherwise proven different. And otherwise proven different is to go out there. And I blame myself as an evaluator of where I thought CeeDee Lamb was coming into the NFL. You weren't alone. I, I, well, I, you know, I, I can only, I can only make my own evaluation. You know, I, I didn't really, you know, I, I worked with some, the Jeff Cavanaugh's, Kevin Turner's, the Dane Burglar's. I mean, we all worked together on this. We all talked about this and we all felt like that CD lamb was the top receiver in that draft. And he still might be, he still might be. If, if we could get Dak Prescott to the, like I say, the mental side of the game, the physical side will be there but find a way to better use C.D. Lamb. Find a better, and maybe this is the year. I keep wishing. You and I have been at OTAs, mini camps. Again, we'll be in training camp in a week. Uh, you know, how do you use him? How do you get him the ball? Yeah, that's 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 what makes these receivers great. These creative offensive coordinators are like these are our best players. You know, let's use them like they're our best players. And I'm waiting to see C.D. Lamb have the type. 
of season that I believed he's capable of. And if he doesn't, well, then that's on me for the evaluation. Uh, if they try and get him in motion if or moving and, and throwing underneath and on the move and all that stuff, and it doesn't work out that way, well, then I was wrong about the player. He's a good player, and but he's top 15 right now until proven otherwise for me. Uh, two more positions here that we'll run through really quickly. Tight ends, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson. Those are the top seven. Number eight comes in Dalton Schultz, one AFC executive, saying dependability, versatile with blocking, maybe. Uh, really good hands. And then a uh, another NFC offensive coach said, handles multiple roles, good hands. Yeah. Can bend to get in and out of breaks. Not as dynamic as others on the list, but really solid. I think that's a fair evaluation. And I, I talked to yeah. you guys on G Bag. In fact, the last episode we recorded, I said I predicted he would be ranked eighth overall, and that's exactly what he is. I think that that's did. I think that's right where he is about in this league right now. Yep, you get him right. Offensive tackles, uh, and this one was interesting to me, Brian. Uh, not because of talent, but I mean just because of reliability and other things. The list is number one: Trent Williams, two: Tristan Wirfs, three: David Bakhtiari. Number four, Rashawn Slater, who the Cowboys uh, considered yep. picking alongside Micah Parsons. Then number five, really surprised, it's Tyron Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people have him ranked as high as one. Lowest rank, he was out of the top ten. Last year, he was ranked nine. So he jumped four spots, actually, despite being injured again and uh, you know not looking great at times, especially near the end of the season. Uh, one NFL coordinator who voted him number one said, I know he's old and injured, but I don't care. He's still the best. Athleticism and strength. Uh, accented by vet savvy and toughness. Uh, Brian, are you surprised he'd come in as number five at this point in his career? Uh, that just shows you the respect. I know my gang of seven, which are my guys that are general managers, player personnel guys around the league that I bounce ideas off of. You know, we were talking about trade value, and to a man, there was some guys who were saying second round, you know, type of value right there. You know, I. It sounds like to me being top five, there maybe should be some first round value there. But for sure, I think I think the thing that Tyron Smith needs to have a clean season, and I mean a clean season with not offensive and defensive linemen falling on the ground behind his legs as he's blocking and falling into his back of his legs and things like that. Nobody misses more games when somebody just, you know, not even Tyron Smith's fault. Falls into the back of his legs. He gets bent back. Now you got a strained knee, sprained knee. You got a high ankle sprain, all these things. I think he can survive the back and the things like that. It's just the unfortunate things that happen to him during a season. You know, what late in the year he's coming off the COVID situation, that didn't help him at all with his strength. So if Tyron Smith can have a clean year, top five is, is surely the right spot for him in this uh, in this hierarchy of offensive linemen. Cowboys end up with a name in uh, either an honorable mention or a top 10 name in every single one of the position lists except safety. And I think you still could have argued that J. Ron Curse belonged there. But, uh, you know, yeah. may, maybe a little bias there. But I, I don't know. I thought he had a pretty damn good season. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt. He is Brian Broaddus. You can follow me on Twitter at BobbyBeltTX. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Broaddus. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now we'll transition over to the part of the show where, where you guys are interviewing us, essentially. It is our Twitter mailbag segment, which uh, I know we all love taking part in. Uh, so let's dive into these questions. The first one is from Mario underscore powers underscore up. And Brian, Mario is asking, which storyline do you predict will be completely overblown after the first day of camp? Which I like. I like this question because, uh, you know, we're, we all have a tendency to, to to get a little emotional about these things. So, so what do you think is, is the first thing that has the potential to be overblown? Not necessarily as a legitimate thing, but maybe something we... We get a little tense about after the first day of practice that we look back and went like, okay, that we, we shouldn't have reacted so heavily to that. Tyler Smith. That's where that's, he lines up. That's what I was at. That's where I was going. I was just as anything about Tyler Smith in general. Any, any Tyler Smith news. If all of a sudden it's, he took eight reps at left guard. He took 15 reps at left tackle. He took two reps at right tackle. You know, we'll overblow it. We'll find a way to overblow it. And I, all eyes will be on that because we'll see. We'll see with the what happens with Connor McGovern. I just really am surprised that Connor McGovern got opportunity, you know, didn't shine well in his opportunity, and you know, became a you know a blocking guard fullback in the backfield, and kind of that's what he was doing. He there was really no thought about putting him back in there, but we've yet to see uh, Tyler Smith really just settle into one spot he's you know he's kind of I think that's the thing that we're going to probably overblow in camp they'll figure it out and then when we get ready to play Tampa Bay then it'll be where it needs to be not just uh you know where he's lining up but I'm sure yeah we'll have our moments where it's oh he got beat and that's going to make us nervous oh, or, yeah. or we'll have yeah. a, you know we, we've talked so much about him stonewalling Micah Parsons on that rep right well, well that just happens a lot of times with these first round picks we'll be locked into everything and I'm sure a lot of it'll be overblown until it's not overblown you know until they until they're mm-hmm. Micah Parsons out there on the field and then we go oh we were right to freak out about all the the stuff we saw in training camp uh next question here from Ernie can you see this team shifting back to a run-first offense with Cooper gone and Gallup out, throwing the Tyler Smith pick? Looks like there's a real, possi- real possibility the strength of the offense could end up being the interior O-line. Um, I know Tony Romo gave an interview this week. He similarly talked about how he thought they were – his anticipation was they were going to shift back to a run-heavy offense. Uh, Brian, I don't know that run-heavy is what they'll do, but I do think that they'll become – a little more balanced. I think that there is going to be a greater emphasis on the run game, but I, I don't think it's going to be like it was in 2016 where it was the Zeke show all the time. Use the correct word, balance. Balance helps the offense. Balance helps the play caller. Balance helps the quarterback. So anything that they can do, I, I'm one of these that have always believed Dak Prescott, when he's 21 of 29 for 262 yards, three touchdowns, no interception, is the best Dak Prescott. 
And but when it's Dak Prescott, 402, two touchdowns, two interceptions, you know, a lot high numbers and stuff. I just don't think that's the best way for Dak Prescott to play football. The balance, I think, helps. It helps the line. It helps the play caller. It surely helps the quarterback. Next question here is from Jay, and I think this is a really interesting question. Hopefully I'm interpreting this right. Uh, Jay says, if Dak runs for five to seven yards and slides on third down two or three times a game, how does that impact the way defenses look at our running game going forward? And so I, I believe what he's just asking about here is if Dak is running the ball again, how does that change the perception or, or how defenses guard against him? But I'm going to add a little bit to that and say that specific part about five to seven yards and slides. Because you remember, he wasn't always a slide guy. He was nope. a, you know, stiff arm to Josh Norman. So let's Shoulder, talk about... Yeah. Lower head. So yeah. when we look at him running again, how could the running game aspect bring, being brought back into Dak's game help the offense? But then adding to that, if he's running, but he's not quite the same physical runner and that teams don't feel like he's a threat to go 20 yards down the field, does that potentially limit any of it? No, I think the fact that if if Dak runs for five to 10 yards twice a game, that's two more first downs you have right there if you really think about things. Yeah. And anything to keep the ball, keep defense off field, maintain drives, anything to wear the opponent's defense down, uh, keep them guessing, hey, I can't play man coverage. This quarterback might take off running. Look what Lamar Jackson does for the Ravens when he runs the ball. I mean, it, it's it's just a different. It's just a different thing. Running quarterbacks, uh, Allen, Josh Allen in, in Buffalo, when these quarterbacks that have the ability to scramble and get first downs, it's devastating for the defense. It wears them down. They have to face more plays. So, yeah, I don't think the defense – they'll look at you differently because it's like, damn, you know, we're on the field now an extra 15 to 18 plays because Dallas has been able to convert on some third downs and keep some drives going. I think that's the main thing that we have to talk about here. Interesting note here before we move on. Uh, you look at Dak's first down rushing uh, throughout his career. 2016, he had 21 first downs. 2017, he had 29. 2018, he had 25. 2019, he had 19 first downs running. 2020 in five games, he had eight. 2021 in 16 games, he had seven. He had a career low in yeah. running first downs coming off a year where he played five games. I, I think that speaks to just how much he minimized the running. In addition to the fact that you look at the first, uh, you know, five years of his career, he was averaging five yards per attempt, and last year he averaged three. And so definitely the running game, uh, Dak's running ability, that aspect of his game was minimized last year and, and had an impact on the offense. Good question there from Jay. Uh, next question here from uh, Mr. Bombay at Two Shanes. True. Uh, he asks, is there a reason why everyone is riding off Simi Fihoko? He had great size and speed, and from the limited targets he had at Stanford, hands look good. Can he be a viable third or fourth receiver? I think that the Cowboys would love for him to step up and be a big-time contributor. I think they believe in – uh, the skill set that he has, the size, speed, parameters, I think all that is, is something that they're really big fans of. You talk to some people over there, and it sounds like their issues maybe some consistency. Like, we got to see it really consistently. And I think we, I think you've referenced that. I think we saw that at some of these practices from him. Some days he looked really good, some days it wasn't. Um, I think they believe in his work ethic. Uh, it's just it's got to become a little more consistent for him. But the skill set is there. 
one of the toughest receivers I ever evaluated, you know, coming out of Stanford, you watched that UCLA game and he, they targeted him. I mean, he basically carried him in that football game. You know, it didn't matter whether he was covered or separation. I think Simi Vahoko got a little bit uh, thinking that things were going to be pretty easy for him. And they're really not, you know, he's, he needs to come in here with the type of attitude is, you know, he's got to stay healthy. All these receivers, all these young receivers have got to, pardon the expression, grow a pair, you <laughs> know, because they've, you know, this is, this is not easy. This is a tough game. These receivers are, they run all day. They get beat up. They, it's a struggle. And if you don't have the mental toughness, I really thought coming out of Stanford, when you, you know, I, I've worked with David Shaw, who's the head coach at Stanford. He, he, he is a tough guy. So kids from Stanford are generally tough kids. Simi Fajoko didn't play like he was a tough kid. And I think that's something that needs to – he needs to kind of revert back to those days uh, of playing like he did when he was at Stanford. Uh, we got a question from at Titanic Gambler. He says, what is the biggest reason to be optimistic about this season? What is the biggest reason to be pessimistic about this season? His answers are he's optimistic about the young core continuing to mature, pessimistic about the lack of depth, in key offensive spots, offensive line, receiver, tight end. I think the most optimistic things for me are going to be, I think the the offensive line is better. I think it's a better group this year. Uh, and I think that Dak is going to be healthier, and I think that that hampered them. And so if your quarterback is healthier, then that alone is going to help. The, the thing that I think you have to be a little pessimistic about is they've taken a gamble on the fact that they went for culture changes over or culture improvements over talent improvements. If you want to just look in a vacuum, I think on paper they are not as talented as they were last year overall. Yeah, I think I, my uh, thing I look forward to or really like about what the so far this season would be or what we're about to embark on is the defensive coaching staff. Mm -hmm. The thing I'm pessimistic about is the offensive coaching staff because uh, there's still a lot of questions about when you start to talk about Kellen Moore and the more you really dive in, I mean, we've I've talked to some really smart guys and gals around the league about Kellen Moore and ideas, and they're they're like, hey, he's a good play caller. He's still a young guy and all that. Well, I don't need him to be a young guy anymore. I need him to be Kellen Moore, the badass coordinator he was for eight weeks last year. You know, where things were, you know, but you could talk about the line and the health and all this, that, and the other, and you know how it played out, but. He's got to be more creative. He has got to be, he's got to find ways to do what Dan Quinn did on defense last year. And that's take guys that nobody gave a chance to hell, uh, you know, guys like Curse and others. And, you know, look what he did with Parsons. I mean, nobody ever thought Parsons would be an effective rush end. They believed he could be. You know, I don't know any, any scouts. I mean, I talk to scouts all the time around the league. It's like, hey, did you guys see that that Parsons is going to be that type of a pass rush? And like, no, no way. So I am optimistic about Dan Quinn and the coaching staff on defense. I'm a little pessimistic about what's going on with that offensive staff. We'll see. You mentioning that offensive staff. I do think that if Kellen Moore continues to struggle and Mike McCarthy isn't able to step up and have a greater hand in that it's a new group, yeah, and new not group. only, not only a new group, I'm going to hope that Dak Prescott feels comfortable enough in what he's seen out there pre-snap this year, that he'll take care of it at the line. I hope so. Um, I hope so too. Next question here. we got two more. Next one from at Dallas underscore go says, do you guys expect Kelvin Joseph to be punished slash suspended to start this season? I haven't heard any rumblings about Kelvin Joseph being punished, but I just I know the way the league operates, so I would be surprised if he didn't get punished in some sort of respect. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, ESPN on uh, Tuesday had a, or, or on Monday had a, a report out about ranking the NFL second year breakout candidates for 2022. And their number nine was Kelvin Joseph, which I thought was very interesting uh, because mm-hmm. there's going to need to be a lot more trust built there before he gets any sort of an opportunity. Yeah, I uh, keep an eye on what happens to the league. I think Zeke got his suspension while we're in training camp. Yep, he did. But usually when the league is interested in punishing players, it comes down to the final cut. And you'll see on the waiver wire there'll be – and this could, same thing should, could, can happen to Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson, Watson yeah. the same way. We'll get the waiver wire and it'll say, so-and-so was suspended four games for this. So-and-so was suspended three games for this. So-and-so was suspended for this. So they might not tell you the whole time you're at training camp and then the very final cut, then you lose a guy for you know four weeks or six weeks or something like that. Final question here from uh, Chris Espinoza, and I wanted to make this the last one so we could have a little bit of time to, because it's a little broad to be able to, to flesh it out. His question's very broad. It's how far away are the Cowboys from winning a Super Bowl, Brian? And I think that a large part of figuring out how, how far away the Cowboys are from winning the Super Bowl depends on how much growth we see from the offensive line here, uh, how how accurate their evaluation of CeeDee Lamb being ready to be a one and Jalen Tolbert, their draft evaluation there, how how accurate those were. Um, if, if those are correct, if, the, if they were right about Tyler Smith, if Tyron Smith is healthy, if Jalen Tolbert's the guy they think he is and CeeDee Lamb's able to step up and be a number one receiver, then they are a contending Super Bowl team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then at that point, if they're not contending and all those things are correct, I think you then have to look at, then they are a, a good coaching staff away from being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I feel like that, Bobby, we're about to be in a situation. I think they're going to be in a dogfight to see if they win the division, much less win the Super Bowl. Could be. So, yeah, I, and I think that, when you start to talk about the talent, they made some big swings at some stuff, you know, but it might mean that defensively it's the same staff that figures it out. Offensively, the staff doesn't figure it out. There's a coaching change. It's an offensive coach. Uh, The defensive staff stays, you know, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts. If this thing doesn't start well, uh, the, the, the hot seat, uh, for Mike McCarthy can only only get warmer. And what's going to happen, it's going to get worse because every week you're going to have Sean Payton on Fox having to try and answer those questions as it uh, as the season unfolds. Yeah, and look, I think just to close things up here, uh, you know, 2014, which is a team that is was one of their best shots at a Super Bowl in terms of being a contender, uh, the start of that season, nobody that people thought that was a five-win team. Um, yeah. and, and one of the teams that we thought in the last 20 years had the best chances of contending for a Super Bowl. I think they were Super Bowl favorites coming out of training camp was tw- 2008, um, the year after the 07 season, and they ended up missing the playoffs completely. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it's an any given Sunday type of league, uh, so we'll see. But I, I do think that the talent overall, if they click on the line and they click on the receivers, then their talent is close. It'll just be a large question of where is this I think it's yeah I think I think the players could perform but I do worry again about the staff that's where I worry that's my biggest concern like you you mentioned that that might be a might be a coaching staff away and another draft and maybe some free agency you know which they won't do but maybe it's going to take a different direction that way to make it happen 
Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us here on the Love the Star. We'll be back again with you on Thursday, counting down training camp. Because, uh, you know, next week we'll, we'll be in Oxnard bringing these podcasts. For Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you again on Thursday.